Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. You're watching Believe. We're a conscious media company bringing you guys stories around money and business, health and wellness, true success, our universe, and world news. You can check us out at believe.love as well as youtube.com forward slash believe loves you. For our Apple users, believe iTunes.com and for Android users, believe Android.com. I'm Vanessa, and thank you again for joining. We're going to jump in here. We have um, a short show for you today, but still a great one, of course. We're going to start with money and business. We'll discuss how to network, especially for those who hate networking. <laughs> Honestly, who, who likes networking? I mean, unless you're like a really, really social person, who likes it? I mean, the pressure, what do you talk about? Like, what do you talk about? What do you not talk about? Things you shouldn't mention when you're networking, um, how to speak to people, how to approach people. It's just so much. There's so much um, like unwritten, unspoken rules when it comes to networking that it can be overwhelming. It can really be overwhelming and uncomfortable for people that are just not used to it, people that just don't do it as often. But like most things, you want to think it through and kind of have a plan and you know have a game plan ready for when you're there. It's for the best results and of course for the best outcomes. So let's get right into it. We're going to give you um, five, five tips here on what it is that you should do to prepare yourself um, before and after for networking. One is to set a goal. Goes without saying, who do you want to meet and why? You know, you really want to really want to ask yourself those questions and you want to be, it could be broad. It can be as broad as, you know, you just want to meet some new people in your industry. You're just trying to network on a very, you know, minimal level and you just want new contacts. It could be that broad. That can be your goal. Or it could be a little more specific. Like maybe you're looking for, I don't know, a social media specialist, you know, for, for your company and you want to find someone that, that meets those, those requirements, you know, but either way you want to set a goal, setting your intention before the networking, um, event, or any event, of course, it just leads you to a more productive conversation. You'll understand what you're there for. You'll understand if you're wasting time, if you're getting to where you want to be. You know, maybe in that last hour, you'll realize like, hey, didn't do what I wanted to do. So now you have to, you know, find some more people to talk to, find more things to look into, or maybe you did do everything you wanted to do. So now, you know, you can just spend that last hour chatting with whoever you're chatting with. But if you don't have a goal, then you might leave feeling a little, a little weird, like not knowing if you actually made you know some kind of a turnout or if you actually did something relevant for your business or if you made any kind of any kind of advance so you want to set goals stop committing random acts of networking it says networking guru kelly hoey um she said that to forbes random outreach is not an effective approach to problem solving and at its core networking really is about seeking a solution to a problem or challenge that you're already facing so it's good to know what it is that you're already trying to get done before you go jump into that networking situation, especially if this isn't your thing, you know, of meeting new people and talking to new people or just, you know, getting out there, so to speak, isn't really your thing. You're going to want to plan it out um, for its best outcome, kind of going out, going out there, not really knowing what you're going to do. It, it might set you up for an even worse situation. You know, at least if you set a goal and you go out there, at least you maybe you'll look smarter. Maybe you'll meet people that, you know, they'll, they'll realize that you did your research or they'll realize that you came prepared. And maybe you'll be dealing with people that are, will be sympathetic to that. But if you don't really have anywhere to go, then maybe you're going nowhere. <laughs> That's the idea. 
Two is to play a game for luck. Now, maybe you don't know who you want to meet. Maybe you're one of those people that has more of that broad goal, like you just want to make some contacts, but you don't really know exactly where to go or where to start. Um, So this is definitely for that person who doesn't have that in mind. You can play little games with yourself. A game that I heard um, is some people pick a color at the beginning or before they even walk into the event, and they just decide they're going to speak to every single person that is wearing that particular color that they chose. You know, they, they can't, it's a little game that you play with yourself. That way you're meeting new people that you normally wouldn't. You're stepping outside of your own comfort zone. You're doing things that are different from your normal routine. And breaking out of routines is something that lucky people do. Psychologist Richard Wiseman told uh, Fast Company. So play a game. Find different ways, different things that you can do to make the, um, the night interesting and exciting as well as eventful and productive for you. Three is don't talk about work. I know that sounds kind of funny, but networking events are usually social events. They're usually after hours, probably drinks involved. You know, so many people just don't want to talk about business anymore. They just don't. That's not what they're there for. I mean, we are there to advance in business, but we're trying to dance around it. Here goes those one of those random like unwritten rules of networking, right? It's like we're networking for business, but we can't talk about business. A real problem for introverts is how to start talking to people. They tend to wait for people to come to them. Bernard uh, Carducci, director of the Shyness Research Institute at Indiana University, told Motto, which is super true. I mean, if you're an introvert, how exactly do you engage with new people when you're trying to network? How do you do it? Definitely set a plan. Definitely probably play a game with yourself. All of these things will probably help you because it's getting you to kind of step out of that, out of that box. And maybe it's getting you to focus on other things rather than, rather than internalizing everything. So set those expectations. Don't stress about winning people over. Don't. Don't worry about that. Don't ask people what is it that you do, you know, because honestly, people love to talk about what it is that they love. You'll see people's face light up when they're talking about their passions, things that they truly and love doing, truly love doing, and they enjoy doing that. Um, and if, you know, eventually, what they do professionally will come up. It truly will come up in a conversation somewhere, somehow, any type of way. So don't actually jump and say what it is that you do. Try to find, um, try to ask them questions to kind of get the ball rolling. Ask questions to kind of. Figure out what it is that they do, but more importantly, figure out what it is that they like to do, what it is that they're what the, what it is that they love to do, or what it is that they aspire to do. Just because whatever it is that you do right now, you know, for your nine to five or for your day job, isn't necessarily what it is that you're looking to do, you know, for the rest of your life. So it, sometimes if you jump to that question, then you're kind of limiting someone's you know views of themselves, or maybe limiting what they were going to bring to the table as far as you know their conversation. So. Focus on the things that light up their faces. Focus on me and bringing up those things that people really love, the things that they're going to talk about regardless. And then you'll find your way into that professional side. It'll, it'll come up. So number four would be to slide into a group conversation. This is funny. So what do you do if you come into a room and everyone's already chatting? You know, maybe, maybe you slipped in late or, you know, Whatever it is, maybe you were just left out for another reason, who knows? 
But you don't want to wait for like the absolute perfect per moment. You don't, you don't want to sit around on the outside just kind of waiting for that moment to jump in. You also don't want to just barge right into and cut anyone off or make anyone feel uncomfortable. So there are a few different ways that you can really go about this to, to not make it so uncomfortable and weird while still looking professional and kind of, you know, do it tastefully. So keep in mind that there's really just no one right way. There really isn't. There's different circumstances, different people, different times, and different ways that this can really go down. But you can approach someone that you know. That's always a great idea first. Is if you know someone there, approach that person, maybe tap them on the shoulder, and that's a great way to get yourself introduced to the group. They'll probably be like, oh, this is Vanessa. She does this, and then you're introduced to the group. You know, that, that's a really good way. But if you don't know anyone, that can be a little tricky. If you don't know anyone, then maybe you're just going to wait for a silent moment, not an uncomfortable silence to kind of introduce yourself and then tr immediately retreat. Try to go back to what it is they were talking about. Try to find a way maybe to bring up what you do in maybe a way that it's relevant to what they're talking about. That's, that's going to be tricky. If you don't know anyone, it can be tricky. But, you know, if you jump into that conversation, you know, definitely proceed with what they're talking about. Try not to completely deter their conversation or like derail it in a different kind of way. But allow them also to proceed with where they're going. Maybe they'll ask you questions. Maybe they'll just continue. But either way, once you're in the conversation, be sure to contribute. Be sure to listen and find a way to contribute in the conversation at least sometime during the conversation so you have talking points to discuss later on should you speak with them again. And lastly, speaking of speaking with them again, is to follow up. As your fifth tip is to follow up. Now that you put in the energy of actually making those connections, follow up. Following up after the event is honestly, it's like the biggest key to turning these new contacts into actual real life relationships that can be beneficial to you and your business. Time has truly been wasted if you don't follow up or you don't contact them after you first initially met them. It's always proper to thank the host or if someone else invited you, then thank that person as well. You know, but the way that you follow up also plays a big role um, as to how you want the relationship to develop. For someone that you really like, you know, you really like talking to and you really want to talk to get talk to again and you really want to bring them into your into your business or into your venture, instead of maybe a usual email or you know a nice social network request or you know just reaching out to them via mail or something, maybe send them a gift or you know even a gift basket. You know, maybe it'll really get their eyes, you know, get their attention and their eyes open and maybe they'll actually realize like, oh, this person, you know, I remember this person and they'll really put a name to the gift or whatever else, a face to the gift and all that kind of stuff. So if you're really, really, really interested in whoever it is that you that you spoke with, follow up with them on extreme levels. Go, go big, go big for sure. And finally, who, however you choose to connect with new people and build your network, remember this. In an increasingly digital world, right, with technology surrounding us and in every way, taking a step into the physical world for real, live relationship building goes a long way in helping you stand out and forge connections that truly matter. So there you have it. This is how you can network. For those of us who don't like networking, five tips to truly get you in there and get you making great, awesome connections. We're gonna move over to true success. Five ways that leaders can promote mental strength to their, to their employees, I'm sorry. So as many entrepreneurs, small business owners, and well, you know, great leaders would all know 
their employees are probably the hardest to replicate, right? And they're often the backbone to the company. Employees are, you know, a huge factor when it comes to, you know, having a company. Knowing this, though, it would make sense that leaders would be would do everything possible to ensure that their teammates felt physically, mentally, and emotionally, you know, supported. But that often does not happen. That's not the way that it always happens. The disparity between employees' value and how they're sometimes treated by their leaders was made apparent earlier this month when Olark founder and CEO Ben Klungleton responds to an employee's mental health days went viral. Madeline Parker, she sent her colleagues an email explaining why she would be absent from work for a few days. The message read, Hey team, I'm taking today and tomorrow to focus on my mental health. Hopefully I'll be back next week refreshed and back to 100%. Now, Congleton applauded developer at Madeline Parker's openness with her team about her need to take a break to focus on her mental health. He said that he couldn't believe mental health days weren't a standard of practice at all organizations. And this simple interaction truly sparked a viral conversation about mental health and strength and it highlighted a big opportunity for leaders to improve their team's performance, as well as their own. So mental health and mental strength, they're not mutually exclusive, no, but they are definitely, definitely connected. Maintaining mental strength requires a commitment to your mental health, and leaders who overlook the need to feel mental health or feed mental health miss out on having the strongest teams possible. So we're going to go into five ways that... Um, Leaders can definitely promote mental strength in their employees. First is to encourage community within the company. Now, one study found that lonely people are less sustainable to rewards than others, meaning they're always are also less likely to be engaged with your projects or your work. So lonely people just tend to really want to keep to themselves and they don't get rewarded as often either. Establish a group to support people who want to quit smoking, or maybe you want to create a mentor, mentorship program. You want to encourage community and encourage teamwork in your um, company. Building communities within our, your organization ensures that people are caring for and supporting one another, treating each other like people rather than just like a number in you know this grand system. So definitely encourage community, encourage people to work together and I feel like community is kind of the opposite of competition. So if you're creating a place where everyone knows that they have the support of their teammates and their peers, rather than fighting against each other to be number one salesperson or you know to get that promotion, then you're actually building a stronger team, people that are gonna look out for each other, people that are gonna get the job done, regardless of whether one of them or two of them are gone. People that are actually gonna work for your company like it's their own. Number two is to set realistic expe expectations for performance. That's both good and bad. So one of the worst things in business is the lack of structure. So you want to be sure to set expectations. Let your employees know what it is that, you're, that you look forward, whether it be weekly, monthly, quarterly. Parker's self-awareness that she needed a break to perform was essential to pointing her in the right direction for her own health. She had that. She knew what the expectations that she needed to meet for herself. And she knew that she wouldn't be able to meet them if she wasn't focusing on her mental health. 
So by setting clear expectations about the key performance indicators that team members need to target, leaders have built-in accountability and can maintain the flexibility to all to allow just results producing employees to take the breaks that they keep them committed. So you really want to focus on those, those expectations. And you want them to be consistent and across the board. You want every single teammate to understand what it is that they're looking for, what it is that you're looking forward, what it is that you want them to do, what it is that they can do. Um, and you want to be clear about that, of course. Clear expectations just make for a better outcome and better productivity. Number three is to invest in hiring processes that benefit candidates as much as they benefit you. Now, every business is different. Some CEOs would rather hire every individual that works for them, while others entrust their employees to, you know, to know that their vision. So you really want, you really want to figure out which one is best for you. What, what company is best for you, or I guess what mindset is best for your company. Whichever is right for you though, you want to make sure that it's done the way that you want it to be done. So by sharing your vision with your employees, you're painting a picture for them, for each one of them, and how each of one of them will play a part in that company. So you wanna notice those reactions. Notice if they're excited when you're talking about you know, the, the future of the company, or do they get bored and annoyed? These reactions, they're gonna let you know whether they're on board with you for the long run or whether they're just here for the paycheck for the moment. You know, you want to really be mindful during that hiring process. And I think that the hiring process is something that just goes across the board for as long as they're your employee. Yes, you chose to make them your employees so you, and you hired them, but you want to make sure that, that these connections are still there. And if hiring is something that you do frequently, then you really want to have a good system in place so that you get the best people that are best for your company in through the door. Four is to remind yourself of what's beyond the office doors. This is huge. As entrepreneurs, we get really excited about our ideas, right? We get like super excited and we literally think that everyone else should be as obsessed with our company as we are. It's just not the case. In reality, many of these people that work for you, there aren't the owners and they don't have the same take on it. So providing them with the opportunity to take ownership of projects or process you know, is very important. It's very important for your employees to feel like they're a huge part of your company. If you want them to, that's if you want them to care for your company on that level. So that's a big thing that encourages leadership and innovation. But remember that their lives don't begin and end with the office. You have to remember that. You cannot expect them to view your company the way that you view your company. Not, not entirely anyway. When you see an opening to support your employees outside of the office, definitely take it. Do it. If you want your employees to consider your business like their own, then you're going to have to make them feel like their life is just as important as yours. So engage in their life outside of the office. And number five here, our final, our final um, tip here on how leaders can promote mental strength in, in their employees is to take the time to build physical strength while building mental strength, of course. So taking care of one's body is often the same thing as taking care of one's mind. The first thing to drop off the radar when you're feeling less than, than you know, your best mentally is the need to work out or eat healthy. So leaders have to proactively build healthy structures for their teams. Don't oversee that. I've known other entrepreneurs who supplied you know, healthy snacks for their team, they did organized group walks, 
or, you know, <clears throat> assemble team kickball teams, you know, found ways to get the entire company active and all, you know, working together. As I say, anything worth having takes work, right? That's why it's vital that leaders support their employees by creating communities, setting realistic expectations, establishing two-way hiring processes, and recognizing outside influences. Strengthening the people who are important to you ensures that your company will be equally strong making mental health a win-win for entrepreneurs who acknowledge it. So there you go, five ways that you or you know any leader can promote mental strength in their employees. And finally, finally here with our universe, we're gonna be talking about experts. They are beginning to believe that we are extragalactic immigrants. Yes, me, you, all of us. Given how much of the matter out of which we formed may have come from other galaxies, we could consider ourselves space travelers or extragalactic immigrants, said Daniel Angeles Alcazar, who, a, who is a postdoctoral fellow in Northwestern's Astrophysics Center, CIERA, or CIRIA, the Center for Interdisciplinary Exploration and Resource, I'm sorry, resource, Research in Astrophysics. It is likely that much of the Milky Way's matter was in other galaxies before it was kicked out by a powerful wind, traveled across intergalactic space, and eventually found its new home in this galaxy, or this Milky Way. A new study gives us a sense of how things around us are connected to distant objects in the cosmos. In a first-of-its-kind analysis, astrophysicists have discovered that contrary to previously standard lore, up to half of the matter in our Milky Way galaxy may come from distant galaxies. As a result, each one of us may be able or be made of, in part, from extragalactic matter. So using supercomputer simulations, a Northwestern University team of astrophysicists physicists, found a major and unexpected new mode for how galaxies, including our own Milky Way, acquired their matter. Intergalactic transfer. Now, the simulations show that supernova explosions eject copious amounts of gas from galaxies, which causes atoms to be transported from one galaxy to another via powerful galactic winds. Now, intergalactic transfer, it's a newly identified phenomenon which stimulates, which simulates, I'm sorry, the simulations they indicate will be critical for understanding how the galaxies evolve. Now, galaxies are far apart from each other. So even though galactic winds propagate at several hundred kilometers per second, this process occurred over several billion years. Now let's get into that study that happened. Professor Claude Andre Fouchard and his research group, along with collaborators from the FIRE, which is Feedback in Realistic Environments Project, which he co-leads as well, had developed sophisticated numerical simulations that produced realistic 3D models of galaxies following a, ga a galaxy's formation from just after the Big Bang to the present day. Alcazar then developed state-of-the-art algorithms to mine his wealth of data and quantify how galaxies acquire matter from the universe. So that study, which acquired the equivalent of several million hours of continuous computing, 
was just published last Thursday, July 27th in the UK by the monthly notices of the Royal Astronomical Society. This study transforms our understanding of how galaxies formed from the Big Bang. That was uh, what Focher, Focher, I'm sorry, said, a co-author of the study and assistant professor of physics and astronomy in the Weinberg College of Arts and Science. What this new mode implies is that up to one half of the atoms around us, including in the solar system, on Earth, and in each one of us, comes not from our own galaxy, but from other galaxies up to one million light years away. So by tracking in detail the complex flows of matter in the simulations, the research team found that gas flows from smaller galaxies to larger galaxies, such as the Milky Way, where the gas forms stars. This transfer of mass through galactic winds can account for up to 50% of matter in the larger galaxies. So that's like you and me, our trees, everything around us. That's pretty awesome and very, very interesting to me. The findings though, of course, all of these findings, they open a new line of research in understanding galaxy formation, right? The researchers say, the prediction of intergalactic transfer can now be tested. The Northwestern team plans to collaborate with observational astronomers who are working with the Hubble Space Telescope and ground-based observations to test the simulation predictions. Wow. Now, I've always believed that we are stardust. Now, I guess we are proving this to be fact. (laughs) So there you have it. Experts are beginning to believe that we are space travelers. We are extragalactic immigrants. Thank you so, so much for joining us here today. On Believe, I am Vanessa. You can check us out on believe.love, youtube.com forward slash believe loves you. Please come back for more amazing stories. Bye.